Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm still Tim. And I'm Marshall. Still. Still. For now. Yeah. (laughs) How are you doing, Tim? You know what? It's a busy week. It is. It's exciting. Uh, I mean, I I feel like we always do the whole, like, everybody needs to know these are recorded a week ahead of time. Yeah. But people know that by now. Yeah, they already know. But yeah, this is, we're getting ready to go outside. Mm-hmm. Do some church in person. Yeah, it's exciting. It's always so. Like last year when we had to have registration, you kind of had a clue. This time year, since there's no need for registration, we might we might be out there alone. <laughs> I hope not. We might not have anywhere to put folks. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll be ready. We'll be ready regardless. We'll see. Oh man, yeah, we, we will be ready. At least those of us that are ready. Okay, so, okay, confession time. We had a tenting, like a camping site booked way back. And it looked like, obviously, the (laughs) reservation would fall through because of the lockdown. And then we get word that they're opening up early, which means suddenly that we can go camping this weekend. And it's the first Sunday back in person. (laughs) And I won't be there. I was happy to leave it as an inside joke. No, it's okay. I feel I feel but guilt. You brought it. I got this burden on my heart, Tim. So this is what everyone <laughs> needs to know. Marshall has been working hard for the last year doing full-time ministry and full-time school. You have a little baby girl. I do. You have a baby on the way. I do. And this is probably going to be your one opportunity to get away before school and new baby yeah mess up your schedule again (laughs) and it was my idea it was yeah i had you said your blessing you said oh this is going to hurt because i've got to tell candace no and i said you don't have to tell candace no go right my wife my wife is grateful (laughs) so anyone who wants to uh to take be like oh Associate pastor wasn't there the first Sunday back. <laughs> that was because I told him not to. Okay. Well, I, th- I appreciate you having my back, Tim. Look at you. Sometimes you throw me under the bus, and sometimes you just got my back. Maybe I'm it. setting you up to throw you under the bus. <laughs> we'll find out. Maybe this is an explanation because we're recording a week ahead of time. Maybe Sunday I'm going to throw you under the bus <laughs> in front of everyone. And only those people who listen to the podcast will know the truth, and everyone else will think less of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. And, and you'll be up there sleeping well, <laughs> thinking that I've covered you. Oh, man. Blissfully <laughs> unaware. Well, with that, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Question 25. Mm-hmm. Question 25 of 52. Just saying. We're getting, yep. we're getting there. I know Next I've week's the halfway point. It is. Next week we have a half week, halfway point party. Are we going to actually have a party? I don't know. Maybe we'll do an hour-long episode. That's a party. Ooh, there you go. Um, So, this week's question. Does Christ's death mean all our sins can be forgiven? It's a good question. Important question. Uh, I think because we've established that the penalty of sin is death, separation from God, Mm -hmm. right? 
um, eternal punishment. If that's the case, then even one unforgiven sin will mean our destruction. So it's important for us to wrap our minds around whether or not Christ's death means that all of our sins can be forgiven or not. Right. Right? If it's only some of them, then we got to figure out a plan to deal with the leftovers. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. You know? We need a little Tupperware container. (laughs) To what, store these things. What there. do we do with these? What do we do with these? So you told me ahead of time. Yeah. You said for the section where we talk about answers that people have given that aren't exactly orthodoxy, mm-hmm. you had a fun list. And you wouldn't share with me because you wanted to do it all live and spontaneous live. Well, my my list is really well, there's 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 three, so it's not really that much of a That's list. That's a list. Three's a list. Three's a list? All okay. Right. So the first one kind of falls outside the bounds of Christianity. Okay. But I found this interesting, just kind of researching the subject of, like, can all sins be forgiven? And came across a article on Islam, mm-hmm. and they have one sin that cannot be forgiven, which is essentially polytheism, which they would accuse Christianity of committing mm. in our understanding of who Christ is. They call it shirk, and it's the unforgivable sin. Okay. The unforgivable sin in Islam is to, um, you know, believe that God expresses himself. Like, for us to believe that that in the Trinity is the, an unforgivable sin in the eyes of Islam. So polytheism. They would call it polytheism. We, it, yeah, we, is something that they're calling it even though it's not, right? Yeah. 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 But I, was, I just found that interesting. Hmm. But these get these get progressively more interesting. So then we have the Roman Catholic Church. And we might have mentioned this in the past, the difference between, uh, in in Roman Catholic doctrine, the difference between venial sins and mortal sins. Mortal sins are those things that are grave matters, right? Murder, rape, adultery. Right. They also require, you have to have full knowledge of what you're doing and deliberate consent. You can't be forced into it. But what's really interesting, I was on this Catholic website and they were giving an example of full knowledge. Okay. And so they're saying, okay, so let's say you stole a 50 cent postage stamp, <laughs> right? But you didn't know that the postage stamp was actually super rare and worth thousands of dollars. Then if you didn't know it was worth so much, then you're only committing a venial sin and not a mortal sin, which I found weird. Like, so at some point, is there like a dollar value as there far is, as- apparently. Apparently, yeah. at least according to whoever wrote this and website. And it's adjusted according to inflation. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, right? Yeah, right? Because, like, yeah, by the time I'm old and gray, a thousand bucks will be nothing. Um, but, but you know what I mean? So I just found that really strange that, like, this, uh, they're like, well, if you didn't know how valuable it was, then, you know, it's just a venial sin, not a mortal sin. Which I'm like, wait, stealing a thousand dollar stamp is a mortal sin? Like, the, yeah. Christ's sacrifice doesn't cover stamp collections? Like, I'm just like, okay, all right, it's an interesting. An interesting take. And and their way of dealing with the leftovers is purgatory. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, yeah. And I mean, some of these sins might be forgivable, but if a person commits that sin and then dies before proper repentance, which includes them, like, confession to a priest, mm-hmm. penance, all that type of stuff, they'll either be damned for it or, like you said, dep- purgatory. I don't... I. It's really difficult to kind of sort through what 
the kind of different categories and criteria are for like how you end up and where you end up in the timeline and all that stuff. It's complex. It's complex because it's also like moving goalposts because each new pope, right? So like um, suicide used to be considered an unforgivable sin in the mm-hmm. Roman Catholic Church. That's no longer the case. They just changed it because, I mean, they just can. Right. Because it's just, and I mean, I'm not saying I disagree with the move, but it's just like they, you know. I yeah. don't. I don't think they were like. I don't think it was them looking at scripture that moved them. I think it was more like looking at culture that moved them. Um. Yeah, and, and that's the that's that's what happens when you have man-made religions. Mm-hmm. And I I know that that's spicy. That is spicy, but I love it. I know. I I could tell by the grin <laughs> on your face. Spicy. Like you're you're sitting there grinning from ear to ear. Like oh my goodness, Tim's just walked into something so deep he can't get out of it. No, you got this. But when. When you stop relying on scripture as your authority mm-hmm. and you start giving authoritative powers and recognition to people, then your religion is constituted not solely on the revelation given by God, but on interpretations adjusted from that for by men. Mm. So... In the same way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were all doing their thing in Scripture, I know there are other groups. They're the ones in Scripture mentioned. Mm. Um, and, and Jesus comes at them and says, you're wicked. The, the, the issue was that they had taken the thing that was from God and turned it into a man-made religion. Mm-hmm. They constituted the boundaries of what was righteous and unrighteous. The Catholic Church is a post-cross version of that when they do these things. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of man-made religions, the Latter-day Saints Church, the Mormons. Uh, Which, and for the same exact reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would say I, I would say there's degrees of severity, and I would say oh, the sure. Roman Catholics are closer to orthodoxy than, than the Mormons. For sure. By a long shot. But you're right. It's along that same kind of spectrum. Um, so here's the thing with... The Mormon doctrine, and uh, let me tell you something. You can go down some rabbit trails. I've, I have a book of Mormon. I When I was younger, I rubbed shoulders. There's some Mormon elders who were like, you know, 19 years old mm-hmm. who came to my house when I was like 17. And I actually met with them and did a whole bunch of stuff to kind of research it. Um, so I, I'm familiar with some Mormon doctrine, but man, you can go down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It is. Yeah, it's, I don't know if I'm more fascinated by just like, the wildness of some of this stuff or the fact that like so many people actually believe it. But anyways, um, I, I would say that's it for me. Yeah. Like it's fascinating how chopped up their doctrinal statements are mm-hmm. like, as far as like they get into the, the, th- the Islam thing, right? Like, well, yeah, but that was at the beginning and, and now we have greater insight. So although that was inspired, this is more inspired. Yeah. Right. So like Pearl of great price is, even greater than the Book of Mormon. Than the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is just like this. I mean, you just keep dropping new stuff and newer newer is better, I guess. Um, so for what they call abominable sins, confession and repentance are not enough. Right. There must be, you know, repeated prayers and tears and, and, and outward showings of contrition. But what's interesting is I was reading this and they were talking about murder and they said, because he was a murderer, David will not be included in the resurrection. Like King David, David of the really? Old Testament. Dude, I'm dead serious. Wow. Okay. Um, 
Now, here's the thing. He will maybe get some kind of middle ground. So we, what you have to understand is that um, Mormonism has kind of subdivided the eternal state in mm-hmm. both the, the heavenly, earthly, and hellish realms into categories. Um, so, so what you find is, so, so the sin of murder is, unfor- so literally, this was the quote, um, although the sin of murder is unforgivable, uh, unforgivable as far as the atonement of Christ is concerned, the repentant murderer can still qualify for salvation in the telestial kingdom. The telestial kingdom. Yeah, so there's the there are three levels of heaven, and even those levels are then subdivided, but the telestial heaven is like the lowest of the heavens. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if you did some bad things, but you also did some good things, and you're, you know, not, a, you know, the worst person ever. So David, I mean, was a murderer, so that's the best he can do, is right. the lowest grade of heaven. So, which means he wasn't included in the, in the resurrection, and and it will only be after the final judgment that he'll get his consolation prize. It sounds like maybe Dante's Divine Comedy is also a part of their holy books. It feels like it is. <laughs> then you have just if anyone else is curious, above the telestial, you have the terrestrial. So that's for like weak sauce Christians, essentially. So they would probably include us. So like you and I, because we affirm Christ, but we don't affirm the full revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We get like middle heaven, which is like decent, but then you get, but what you really want is that celestial, that celestial right. kingdom is like where it's where at. Where you get your own planet. Yeah. 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 If you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, hold on, you can go to YouTube. Oh yeah. You can find, there, there are some videos that just sort of do basic rundowns of Mormonism. It, it might feel weird to you to have a pastor saying, go check out Mormonism. Check it out. <laughs> the thing is, you're not going to be persuaded. No. Um, but it is fascinating, and and sometimes what happens is we fall into like well they're 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 the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. We can't be that different. Yeah, being informed on it lets you know how to talk to your neighbors about it. Yeah, or when they come knocking at your door, right, yeah. and want to do Bible study, be ready. Um. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, yeah. So that that was kind of my little my little thing. But the the King David thing was just blew literally blew my man mind. Man after God's own heart. Blew my mind. Included in the Great Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Yeah. I mean, so much that he wrote is counted considered to him scripture. as righteousness. That's yeah. what Hebrews 11 is all about. Yeah. His faith counted as righteousness, right? But no. It's just, it's cr- it's crazy, man. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, it, I keep using the word crazy, but it is. So I, I, I'm It's assuming, out there. It's, it's out, out there. there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some, just, uh, I'll insert this really quickly. Cool. I had some come by my office one time, interestingly enough, because... I couldn't find my Book of Mormon, so I ordered one, which means they bring it to you. Great. And sat down, and and uh, and so we were we were chatting about it, and I asked him why why did God wait nearly two thousand years between Christ's ascension and the the declaration of His truth as it revealed to Joseph Smith? You know, why allow for all of this misinformation? Mm-hmm. And uh, they two things they said that were concerning. One, they called it the period of great apostasy, um, which was, in their minds, the the misteaching. Uh, and and to which I said, well, I understand that that's what you guys call it, but apostasy isn't misteaching. That's heresy. Yeah. Apostasy is the denial of the faith. Yeah. 
right? And you're saying from the very beginning it was the denial. Yeah. Of the and so and so I would say I would say I think you're using apostasy when you mean heresy, but I also know that this is very much inscripted across all of the things that you teach and surely it wasn't just an error. Surely there's something else meant by that. Right. Uh and then the secondly they said because God if you look across history, biblical history, God only sends prophets when people are ready to hear from him. That is not that is so not true. And I, and I thought <laughs> Jeremiah? Yeah. Isaiah? Ezekiel? Elijah? Elijah? Yeah. It, Jesus just says all the time, you guys just kill the prophets. Yeah. The whole like in Mark chapter 12 when he's talking about the vineyard, mm-hmm. he the whole point of the thing is to say the landowner sent messengers and you killed them all. Yep. Right? Yep. And and the point of the prophet was to say, you have received the word of God and you have been disobedient, and thus the word of God speaks this over you, mm-hmm. right? The greater majority of the work of a prophet in the Old Testament was condemnation. Yeah. And then the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, just walks around saying, repent, mm-hmm. because the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they, that they would make that statement. That's just like, take their flag on it. It's like, that's, and I said, guys, I, I don't know where we're missing each other. Yeah. And they were, they just sort of looked at each other and were like, can we come back <laughs> when we got a better answer? Because I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. And I was like, hundred percent. Like, I, I'm not trying, trying to just be like that guy to you. It's a gen, it's a genuine question mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you answered it that way is genuinely concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, so take the time you need. Um, unfortunately, I never saw them again. I had hoped that we could continue conversation, but yeah, that that kind of discontinuity, it, it's it's not just interpretations, it's gross discontinuity. Yeah. Jesus and the devil are brothers. Yeah. yeah. So, kind of stuff. moving back towards the direction of orthodoxy, um, what does the catechism have to say about this question? The catechism says, yes, because Christ's death on the cross fully paid the penalty of our sin. God graciously imputes Christ's righteousness to us as if it were our own and will remember our sins no more. Hmm. I made a big deal about needing wanting to put some hedges around this, and then I just realized um, it's just because I'm borderline illiterate. We're good. (laughs) What do you mean? So when I first read this, for some reason, I I left off the can be forgiven in my reading. Does Christ's death mean our sins are forgiven? uh, Is how I read it. Mm. And, And I was like, hold on, but can be. Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay. You good with that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, I think, I think what threw you off, and I think we can talk about why you were potentially thrown off, um, is just because there, there's also, you know, who is the us in in this answer, right? The, the our, right? The our, the us, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that our sins can be forgiven mm-hmm. and imputes as Christ, Christ's righteousness to us, right? So, like, who, yeah, who is that group, right? Because because I think what what you were concerned about, and and I think we should clarify this so that people don't fall into this. This is not a universalist teaching, 
No. This is not that every single sin committed by every single person has been fully atoned for, and therefore there is now no condemnation for anyone, ever. Right. That is not what this is saying. Um, what it is saying is that Christ's death, his sacrifice, paying the penalty for our sin, if w- indeed we are those who put our faith in him, mm-hmm. right? If we are indeed his. Yeah, right? if, if the hour constitutes those who would believe and not humanity universal, mm-hmm. then it's an easy yes. Yeah, the the scripture reference for... Um, this question that the Catechism gives is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, excellent. excellent. Love so amazing. I know. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. King of kings. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, sorry, I wasn't making the connection there for a second. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. So, yeah, so Christ literally takes on the sin. Like, he bears that sin. Like, there was a sense in which, I mean, the wording here made him to be sin, even though he had known no sin, mm-hmm. right? And then in the same way, we become the righteousness of God, right? And this is, this is, I think, important for believers to understand is not just what is removed from us mm-hmm. but what is given to us at the cross there there are there's an ex- there's almost an exchange that happens I, i'd say more than almost there is an exchange that happens yeah. right and so and sometimes we um we can be really big on understanding the first part of that exchange and we fail to recognize the the latter half yeah i, I think part of it the, the first part of it that we struggle with is that we are less forgiving and God himself. Mm. Right? That's a good point. And so we continue to beat ourselves up. I Probably because we're impotent to fix the wrong that we've done. And he's not. Yeah. Right? Kind of like when my kids come in and they're like, oh my goodness, I did this thing and now it's broken. And I'm like, Barbie's head goes back on. It's okay. Right. Right? (laughs) But in their mind, it doesn't, and it's broken, and there's nothing that can be done. And so in the same way, when we sin, when we fail, we come at it, and we're just like, I understand that I'm forgiven, but it's still not okay. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Mm. Um, Sorry if I got preachy and blew people's ears off. I just realized I had transitioned from podcast voice to preaching voice. (laughs) But... But God being the one who is redeeming all things Mm -hmm. is able to forgive differently. Mm -hmm. And I think the second part, the imputation of righteousness, is hard for us to grasp because we understand how much our flesh still longs to sin. Mm -hmm. And we just think, how is it that I have imparted to me the righteousness of Christ when I still am battling with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and so in both instances, I would say this awareness of self mm-hmm. makes it hard for people to grasp the idea that all sin is forgiven at the cross for those who would believe. Mm-hmm. And I think, I and we've referenced this passage 
numerous times in the podcast before, but one of the most thing, because I mean, I, I wrestle with that, right? Wrestle with, okay, why do I still have this propensity or desire or whatever to mm-hmm. sin, even though I know, I know that I, like that Christ's righteousness has been imputed to me as if it was my own, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the righteousness of Christ is mine. I, I would say the only people not wrestling with sin mm-hmm. are people who have given up. Yeah. Wrestling yeah, with that's sin. true. Because the, the 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 passage I was going to reference was uh, when Paul is talking about this struggle of like doing the things he doesn't want to do and not doing the things he wants to do. Right. Oh, wretched man that I am. Right. And right. and so this is the Apostle Paul who is writing these things, who is, you know, the Holy Spirit is working through in in like amazing ways to to write scripture itself and he is still feeling that struggle and still feeling that fight. Yeah, I, I've heard people preach that um, the thorn in the flesh of Paul, we don't know what it is, but one thing we know it's not is sin. <laughs> um, because he's Paul. That just doesn't reconcile with the rest of Paul's writings. No, not at all. At all. Yeah. yeah. No, Paul is very Paul is very honest about his own limitations. Um yeah, let's not physical and spiritual. Yeah, don't deify Paul. Paul's great, but yep. Paul's not Jesus. If you deify Paul, he'll come at you. Yeah, he would with his, with his own writing. <laughs> he would. He not would. Just would. He does. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So one thing we need to we need, we do need to talk about. Okay. Because we said all sins can be forgiven, but there is a passage, there is a a quote from Jesus mm-hmm. that a lot of people might stumble over. Because in Matthew 12, 31, he says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Right. So how do we reconcile that with this this answer? Thanks for listening. This podcast is a... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, yeah, So the so what do we do with this one? And because, because we've already stated that you can't have leftovers, right? We've seen answers that people have tried to put forth and say, well, God handles this thing, but then there's this other thing. What happens with that? Um, I, I think it's important to note in here when Jesus talks about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, he says the one, which means there are not others. I think, I think that we cannot hammer hard enough on the nail that there are not other things that you can fall into that are going to cost you your salvation, mm-hmm. that are greater than the cross of Christ. Right. And that will go unforgiven. Mm-hmm. I, I think that sometimes our experience in the world, our knowledge of ourselves, um, watching the world unfold before our eyes, Our thoughts on how things will come to a fruition in the end can all cause us to forget all wrong is covered by the cross. Mm-hmm. When he talks about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what he is talking about is the revelation, God's revelation of himself to his creation being deemed as wrong or even brought by satan himself Mm -hmm. it is faithlessness 
It is a rejection of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when this says our sins, it means those who would believe and receive. Right. Uh, and can be forgiven. Right. The rejection of the gospel, the lifelong rejection of the gospel, um, puts a person outside of the bounds of our mm -hmm. and us. Yeah. And yeah. is and is not forgivable. This this means there's no post-mortem forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Also an interesting Mormon thing. Um, but no post-mortem forgiveness mm -hmm. um, that, is, that is allowed. This is, this is it. Mm -hmm. The one thing is faithlessness. Mm -hmm. So does Christ's death mean all of our sins can be forgiven? Yes. Does that conflict with Jesus saying there is the one unforgivable sin? No, mm -hmm. because if a person who has blasphemed the Holy Spirit were to repent of that, mm -hmm. then they would no longer be someone who was blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Right. They would be someone who has become penitent, mm -hmm. humbled themselves, and in that there is forgiveness. Yeah, then they're filled with that Holy Spirit. Right. Right. So now they're not blaspheming against some kind of outside force, but it's actually the spirit that is indwelling them and regenerating them and sanctifying them. So a, a genuine believer cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Right. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So waited through that one. Nice. Good job. Do you, do you feel satisfied with I that like answer in the end, or it was great. No, no, no. I don't okay. need to. I don't need to tweak anything. I just like. I just thought I'd throw you that curveball as we were. You were ready to <laughs> close it up. <laughs> that curveball was a hanging slider. <laughs> Four twenty-five over the center field wall. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. See you soon. Bye.